0: Last time I'm Licensed to Parent. Uh,
1: there are a few things more enjoyable than sitting at a fireplace and watching a fire burn. And few things are uglier uh, when that fire should get outside of the fireplace and start burning your house down. But we've done just that. We've brought the fire out of the, uh, the bounds of marriage or the bounds of the fireplace. And we've brought it into um, not just burning a house down, but uh, burning down the public square. And today we'll continue
0: that conversation with Trace Embry. And just a reminder, just a disclaimer at the beginning of the program, If you have little ears listening in, you might want to distract them while we have our conversation. It's, again, some pretty heavy stuff. Hi, I'm Michelle Hill, and I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long, Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host, Trace Embry, is the founder of Shepherds Hill and author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherds Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. And Trace, last week, we started a very important conversation. We're going to continue that today. I don't even know if we're going to be able to finish it today, but it's a conversation around just really what is happening in our culture, sexual perversion, LGBTQ. I mean, just as I'm looking out, I'm seeing people in the church, even some prominent leaders, Christian leaders who are starting to I don't know, they seem to be compromising or they seem to be like, eh, this is okay, this is okay. It seems to me there are some cracks that are happening in order to be accepting and, quote, loving and kind. Is that what you're seeing too?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The cracks are turning into chasms. I think the reason it's happening, Michelle, is because most of us, most people are like lemmings. I mean, we simply follow the lead of those who – we put our faith in. And and what is faith? I mean, f- faith is acting on what we have a reason to believe is true. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, that people don't have their reasons for believing their positions on LGBTQ issues. They have reasons. I, I would say they're horrible reasons. They don't hold water when reasons for the other side uh, are brought up against them. But Too many believe what they believe about LGBTQ issues because they've never thought through the issues critically or honestly enough, Uh, especially if they're struggling with it themselves. Uh, It's just it's too much to give up. Um, They've trained their appetites by, again, we talked about this last time, what they dwell on and by what the culture is encouraging them to dwell on.
0: And it seems that it's more than just a girl being attracted to a girl that is going on. There seems to be a deeper root in the whole entirety of the LGBTQ culture,
1: correct? Well, again, I go back to the sexual narcissism um, or the sexual delusion in the case of uh, transgender, sexual addiction. Remember, sex is everywhere. It's in a commercial, it's on billboards. It's all—the worst kind of pornography is on the Internet. And we're giving our kids these addictive adult toys to have the worst kind of pornography. I'm talking violence. I'm talking group. I'm talking with animals. I'm talking with uh, homosexual, uh, transgender, with your grandmother, with your grandfather. I mean, it is insane. So when sex becomes uh, or your dopamine rush and sex become uh, your purpose for pursuing sex— uh, then everything else kind of looks like vanilla, you know. And man's sin nature kicks in, and he's got a, always has a better idea than God, right? And yet things just go south when when you you kick God out of the equation. It's hard to talk about this subject uh, without putting God in the equation. Okay, mm-hmm. because think about this: someone you loved, more than anything, anybody on the planet, probably your husband. He gives you a gift and you open this gift up and and you don't really like the gift and you used it to mop the floor with it. And say it was a new dress and you you thought you, you saw it as a mop. How do you think God feels when he gives us this wonderful gift and we mop the floor with it? We pervert it. We get ourselves diseased with the way that we yeah. want to do it. And especially when you think that he gave us this gift for the ultimate purpose of creating more human beings. Mm -hmm. What a greater gift. The the, the dopamine rush is a byproduct of all that. Uh, And it could be more of a, a longer term dopamine rush if we would exercise the act of sex in the context of what God has designed it for, but we've got a better design for it. And so... I think the reason a lot of the perversions take place is because, like any addiction, the next one's always going to be the best one. The next encounter Mm -hmm. is always going to be the best encounter. And in the case of homosexuality, uh, it's like no one knows how to make me feel better than someone of my own kind, right? I think that's the case. And if an intimate relationship between a husband and wife becomes deeply intimate, that's not going to be a problem. They're out to please, satisfy each other in all areas of life, including that area. But the—I'll just call it what God calls it. The perverts will take that act and just do something extremely selfish with it.
0: Well— the verse that kept popping into my head as as you're talking right now, Paul wrote this in a letter to the Romans and says, Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God mm-hmm. for a lie right. and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Yeah. So, we're talking ultimately about a lie that, humans are have been believing for years cuz obviously i mean romans was written many 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 years ago mm-hmm. but there's a lie out there that people are believing rather than the truth
1: oh well, yeah that's it uh romans 1 uh we we've been turned over to delusion or a reprobate mind as scripture would call it to mm. where we don't even recognize good from evil you hear this described by a lot of people in our Entertainment culture, in particular, they celebrate evil. Uh, look at the last few Grammy awards; were almost as if you were attending a demonic ritual. It goes back to Psalm two. Was it Psalm fourteen? The wicked freely strut about when what is evil is honored among men. Well, what is evil is being honored among men, and you and I are now the evil people for bringing this up, and. We're bringing this up not because we're trying to judge anybody in a self-righteous way. We're trying to bring to light what God is trying to bring to light. Let me read a, a passage of Scripture out of 2 Corinthians 7. Now remember 1 Corinthians, Paul insulted uh, basically the Corinthians because there was some sexual activity going on. And I think sexual perversion is is one of those sins that it appears that God reserves some of the harshest a punishment for, mm-hmm. uh, because I think it is such a great gift that we've just trampled on. But in 2 Corinthians, Paul is trying to help out the Corinthians from the first rebuke they got in 1 Corinthians. So here's what it says in, in, in verse number 8 of chapter 7, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. I see that my letter hurt you but only for a little while. Now, focus on that word. I'm reading out of the NIV. Focus on the word hurt. It hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance, for you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed. Notice the contrast between harm and hurt. you were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. If I find out I got an STD that's going to you know, rot my face off, then that's going to be uh, an earthly sorrow. Uh, so he says, see what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation. I want to go back to that indignation. Mm -hmm. What indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. So their eyes were open. But indignation, how does he put indignation in in that? Indignation is anger. Mm -hmm. I'm angry over what I allowed in my life and, and, and what it's done to me and whatnot. There is a such thing as righteous indignation. And he's commending the Corinthians for being indignant about their former appetites and lusts and actions. And he says, at every point, you have proved yourself to be innocent in this matter because they came to a place of repentance. So even though I wrote to you, it was not on account of the one who did this wrong or of the injured party, but rather that before God, you could see for yourselves how devoted to us you are. By all this, we are encouraged. Mm -hmm. So hurt, not harm, and even being angry about it, that doesn't fly in today's culture. Everything's supposed to well, feel I, good and look good and sound good and taste good in the whole nine yards.
0: That's what I was just going to ask is I was just like, okay, so Paul did that to the Corinthians. Like who right now, other than you, who is raising the red flag to say, hey, just a second here. Some things are happening that should not ever happen. Why aren't we calling out the evil that is happening?
1: Well I think you know in in today's particularly in today's digital age, we have an overabundance of information in general that that human mm-hmm. beings really can't handle. And so some of the books that uh, that are written out there on this subject are lost in a sea of entertainment, other books, uh, other indoctrination uh, platforms, and they're just lost. And so we are a voice in the wilderness, but we're we're still One of many voices in the wilderness, but it's a vast wilderness, and in that wilderness are these coyotes, these these wolves in sheep's Mm -hmm. clothing, and they crept into the church, and we are capitulating to the evil in the church that has been spawned uh, outside the church, and I'm telling you, there's a price to pay for this. We're 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 paying it now, and don't even realize it.
0: We are. That's for sure. Hey, you're listening to Licensed to Parent. We'll be back with more of this conversation right after this.
2: In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherd's Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by troubled Hi folks, Trace Embry here,
1: host of the License to Parent Broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago, when Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His Word, will, and way, and who properly
2: understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org.
0: Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Uh, You can learn more about Shepherds Hill at LicensedParent.org, And uh, just a reminder, a disclaimer, that we are talking about some heavy topics today. And so if there's little ears, you might want to steer them out of the room. So, Trace, we've been talking all about the LGBTQ, what's going on there, STDs, really basically a lot of, I guess, the culmination of the sexual revolution and what that means. Help us understand how we can help parents today who are really dealing because they're they're up to their necks. They're up to their eyeballs in trying to figure out how do they keep their kids from going down this path? Yeah.
1: Well, I think they have to be open to the fact that they can't be with their kids 24-7. Even at a young age, uh, they have family, extended family, friends. That there, it, especially in today's day and age, where uh, again pornography is everywhere and stimulating a lot of very warped appetites, mm-hmm. that some of the people closest to them, uh, and hopefully not—that's not the case—but I've certainly run into it on a regular basis, could possibly be in in the wrong context, uh, having unhealthy interactions with their kids. And I mean little kids. You know, our church, there's a uh, a rule in our nursery that um, no one person can change a diaper. And, and no men will ever work in the nursery, particularly alone. Um, there has to be two there all the time. We have the same interactions here at Shepherd's Hill. There's no no kid could ever be alone with a counselor ever anywhere at any time. There either has to be two kids there uh, or or two counselors there, because the truth of the matter is, if da- if King David, the man for God's own heart, can fall the way he fell, then any one of us could fall uh, in in the, in the right circumstances, because we, we have that sin nature. But I think parents have got to be open to the fact that their kids, they're sexual beings, and uh, they're going to grow up into being sexual beings that, that can reproduce and have desires and, and whatnot. And not too many people should be trusted with things that Parents in the in past generations could and would trust their kids with uh, people, you know, family and, and friends. Yeah, you, you better be pretty discerning and discriminant about that. But I think early on, starting with the no-touch zones, as soon as your kid can talk, you need to start having those conversations or where those no-touch zones are. And you can have that conversation long before the birds and the bees conversation. Uh, the birds and bees conversation can come later. But the first thing you want to do is some preventative measures and and, and it's, it's those conversations uh, that you should not be ashamed of.
0: And what I'm hearing from you, I mean this this is hard work. Raising kids is hard work anyway, just disciplining and keeping them on the straight and narrow. But what i'm what I'm hearing from you is that at a very young age, parents need to be intentional and direct mm-hmm. with their kids. About everything.
1: everything. And like
0: really keeping this in the forefront of their brain of how they can direct their kids and keep them pure and have pure minds and pure thoughts.
1: Yeah, and they need to know that sexual perversion transcends just the LGBT community. There's plenty mm-hmm. of heterosexual perversions out there. Uh, and I don't want any parent to get OCD about all this. Yeah. But they do need to have conversations with their kids early on. And I think they need to have uh, biblical interactions where these things are taking place at, a, at an appropriate age that they feel that junior can understand this and, and learn about the the blessings of the, the husband and wife relationship, uh, through like books like song of Solomon and whatnot to where the kids know what a healthy sexual relationship and a healthy context for sexual relationships is, but it starts from the jump. There's no touch zones. And, uh, that way, if they are uh, violated at an early age, they're not uh, inhibited from coming forth with that because once some of that uh, brain chemistry and and cellular level stuff starts happening, it's harder to undo it than to not have it done in the first place.
0: So, Trace, I'm just curious how a parent needs to act with their kid because or, and not act with their kid, but more how a parent is to guide their child. Because you don't want your child living in a bubble. Right. You need your child being able to live in the community, in the neighborhood, You know, not being socially awkward because they've never been around strangers before. Mm-hmm. And yet their child needs to be aware of what's happening around them. So what does a parent need to be sharing with their children at
1: age-appropriate times? Well, first of all, there's a million and one things to occupy your kids' interests and attention. Uh, and I certainly wouldn't bring this subject up all the time. But, you know, on occasion, uh, when opportunity arises in the proper you know scenario, that it, you need to not be afraid to talk about it. It's all about balance. Don't Ooh. get shook up to the point of, losing your cool or letting your kid think they've committed the unpardonable sin, if they're caught doing something or looking at something that you didn't uh, you, you know is, is harmful. But the problem is, I don't think a lot of parents today know what's harmful. The stuff they let their kids look at and listen to, particularly music, is just insane. This is a sad commentary, but I want to go ahead and say it. I, I just read an article about the Gen Z generation. The Gen mm-hmm. Z generation, and I got several emails sent to me this, just this past week on this subject. The Gen Z generation have had enough of this. For the millennial generation and probably some from the Gen X and even baby boomers, it was kind of novel to, to get pornography anywhere you wanted to. But the Gen Z generation, they've actually given up, according to this article, and I've seen it. They're, they've given up on their millennial-age parents to get this right. They're logging off themselves of smartphones Ooh. and the internet, uh, social media, because they see what they've become as a result. And they're taking That's their cue. Yeah, and I, I, I want to find some of these. We can probably get some right here from Sherpa Chill to, to share their, their experiences. But they didn't need the motivation of their parents who dropped the ball for the first 18 years of their lives. They've given up hope on them. And I'm telling you, I see this... All the time. Now, I can't say it's the majority of parents that bring their kids to Shepherd Sill. They obviously know something's wrong or they wouldn't bring them here. But I see it so often uh, in the marketplace, in our churches, I see it. Parents don't have a clue. They can't bring themselves to telling their kids no. They can't bring themselves to talk about the very thing that they're exposed to on a regular basis, which is perverted sex everywhere they turn, on their sitcoms, in their music, the parents' music. The parents' sitcoms, the parents' smartphones, and you know what I'm referring to. Mm. you know. So hopefully things have hit rock bottom to where the kids themselves will come to their own wise conclusions. And that's been my prayer for them because I, I, th- I think that has to happen. But it has. It's already happened. I've been saying this for a while, but now I'm getting articles that are confirming. I'm seeing it more and more. More and more legislation is being passed to um, – to try to get uh, some of these sites off the internet, why that hasn't happened, you know, twenty years ago, I, I have I have no idea.
0: So Trace, what is a parent to do if their child Becky comes home and she declares that she's not Becky anymore, she's she's Dave or yeah. something? What how is a parent to react to that?
1: Well, first let me this say this is not
0: how they've raised her, and. And this is not the conversations they've had with her at all. And now all of the sudden they're faced with that.
1: Well, it might be not how they thought they raised her. They may have been more complicit than they think. In th- mm-hmm. a- and largely in the things that they've allowed her to see and hear and do. Um, and in today's digital age, you got the whole world raising your kids. If, if you're letting them be exposed to that stuff on a regular basis. And if, these ongoing conversations that we've just been talking about haven't been had, then you're more likely to hear uh, your son or daughter come to you and say, hey, I think I'm this or that and the other. Mm -hmm. But here's what you got to do. you you got to first and foremost simply affirm your love for them right off the bat. Nothing you could do, see, be, hear, nothing you can do to keep me from loving you. And that's why I'm always going to tell you the truth, the objective truth about these issues. And if you choose to pursue these things uh, behind my back or when you leave the house, you have that opportunity. Uh, but my stance on this isn't going to change, never will change, because it is God's stance on this. and my first allegiance, as much as I love you, honey, it's not to you. Mm-hmm. It's to the God who created you. It's to your, your father, who your mother, who helped create you through God. But I will always give you the truth. I will always love you. I will never stop loving you. And if you can get that established with a whole lot of prayer, it'll work itself out.
0: I just heard the voice of our Heavenly Father through a lot of what you just said, Trace, because as you were talking, I just kept thinking, that's how God treated the Israelites in so many ways. When they would rebel, he would be like, I'm here I am here, and I love you. I don't like your sin, but I am still here. Yeah. I want you to stop sinning, but I am still here, and yeah. I still will love you Absolutely. forever. So true. Well, thanks for listening to License to Parent. We have had quite the conversation. Thank you, Trace Embry, for, of course, being our host and um, being our guide today.
1: Well, thank you for having <laughs> me. It's been a pleasure to be here.
0: You know, God is purposeful in how he is working in and through Shepherds Hill and running a residential treatment facility for troubled teens has not been easy, but he has been faithful every step of the way. And Trace Embry wrote the book, The Miracles of Shepherds Hill, to basically share all that God is doing. And can I suggest something for you? Read this book in 2024 if you haven't read it already. In fact, since we've got a little extra time here, let me read you a portion of the book and give you a taste of what's in there. Only a few days into our new season, we were 20 acres bigger. Yeah, and by the same token, we were also 20 acres more in debt and still no work. Just a few days later, the Department of Juvenile Justice contacted me to tell us that they had received the funds to do even more family experience sessions at the farm. Shortly thereafter, I received a call from a man named Jim, who said he was the headmaster at a private boarding school in Atlanta. He had heard from a mutual friend that we were doing some very good and effective things at Shepherd's Hill Farm. When Jim asked me if I might consider having troubled teens from his school actually come to live at Shepherd's Hill Farm to get help for a full year, my heart pounded within me. This call came only about a week after my big talk with my family around our dining room table. In a monotone and almost concessionary kind of way, I simply responded, you're the call I've been waiting for. Jim's school in Atlanta needed a place to send their behaviorally challenged kids. Back in the day, most of these kids would have been referred to as your garden variety spoiled brat but some of these kids actually did have some very real behavioral and psychological issues. And though we were probably out of our league, we weren't out of God's league or His will. The terms of our agreement with Jim's school were almost as if they had been written by God Himself. Jim agreed to pay John, Beth, and me all reasonable salaries. But before I could even begin mulling over the numbers, Jim asked me, how much is your mortgage payment each month? When I told him how much it was, he agreed to pay it. In addition to our salaries, this was working out to be a genuine God thing. We settled on a projected date of August 15, 2001, for accepting our first troubled teenager. Now I was waking up each morning released to do what I felt like I was put on earth to do, and I was getting paid for it, no less. The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. It's available at LicensedToParent.org. Hey, thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Roswell. Carl Peetz is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your Licensed to Parent.
1: And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.